It's wonderful to be able to declare those things together, but we're going to jump right into Scripture here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a theme for us as we move here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. It says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, Be reconciled to God. God has given us a mission. He's given us a purpose, an invitation to bring life, to see people as His creation, and to bring them the message of hope, to implore them on His behalf. Be reconciled to God. We're already coming kind of to the end of this ministry year, and it's been an amazing year. It's been so exciting to see the things that God has been doing in the life of individual people, seeing lives transformed, people giving their life to Jesus, some people going deeper and digging into discipleship and journeying together. Seeing people dig into the life of the kingdom and stepping into leadership and serving here in our church and in our community and just seeing the impact that our church family is having as God continues to pour out His Spirit in this place. Growing the work that He is doing here in us and through us and all around us. Such a privilege, such a gift to be a part of this amazing body of believers and to even just have fun together. Following Jesus is fun. As we eat together and celebrate together and worship together. And we do work and we serve and we sacrifice and we give, but it's also just so much fun. And I'm so glad to be able to share the journey with you as we get to See together the things that God is leading us into. We're coming to the final series of our year as we walk toward the summer and into the fall and into the new things that God's going to be laying before us, but we're not done yet. And God has some big things for us to explore yet this year. He calls and challenges us into deeper works in His kingdom. This year our theme has been sacred. Exploring the reality of the presence of God and the kingdom that He is building. And we've been asking the question, what does it look like for us to be 
a sacred presence, a spiritual presence in our world today? What does it look like for us to be and to bring the presence of God into the lives of the people around us, into the world and the culture and the communities that we live in? What does it look like to bring the presence of Jesus into someone's life that they can see and know that there is a God who loves them, who created them, and who is here right now with them, with us together, that He is here and He is speaking and His Spirit is moving and His love is waiting for them that they would know Him and see Him and find peace. With him. It's been an amazing journey, and God has revealed some really powerful things as we've explored this together. We started in the fall looking at the fruit of the Spirit, trying to put some words to this idea. What is it? What does this sacred presence look like? What does that mean? So we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, the tools and the characteristics that. God has given us the tools and characteristics of the kingdom and of the people that follow Jesus. That the kingdom is supposed to be a place of love and joy and peace and patience. That this sacred presence should bring kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. That we should follow with humility and submission and self-control. And then through this season of Advent, we looked at the nature and the names of Jesus, the titles that God has given us for the Messiah, the prophetic names that He spoke over this one who was to come, and He gave us a glimpse of what this sacred presence would be in Him, that He would be our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace, and above all these things, the Messiah. We saw these names, these titles, they give us peace and confidence that as we seek to bring this presence we're talking about, to the people that we see, that we are working and moving in the power of this one who had come. And the authority that he carries with him, that we are not alone, not doing this on our own. We are following the king and pointing to him. And then for the last few months, we looked at the stories then of God's presence, what it has looked like for this sacred presence to be revealed, the power of the presence of God as He has made known through Scripture and the journey of His people. That we can see the power of His presence at work in the world today too. That once again, we can understand that we are not alone. He's not asked us to do this thing on our own strength, but that He will work through us to bring hope and healing into the world, to bring the gospel into the lives of people and to make disciples, that they can be forgiven and transformed just as we have been. 
And we ended that with the celebration of Easter and the reality that all of this is true. All these things that we've talked about, these stories that we've looked at and these truths that we've explored because God revealed His full power and presence in the resurrection of Jesus, proving for all eternity that everything He has done and everything He has said is true. It's all real. And so we want to step forward in that reality. It's all true. What God has told us is true. And so then, what is He calling us to do? So we tried to put some words to this idea. We looked at who Jesus is and we looked at what God has done. Now we come to this last question, then what are we supposed to do? How do we do this, this sacred presence? What is God asking us to do? And so following this journey of exploring the power of the presence of God, we're going to be looking at the practice of the presence of God. We want to understand the things He is inviting us to do, to bring His presence into the lives of others in real and practical ways, the ways He wants us to live, the things He wants us to focus on, to build, to be. Things like Serving and teaching and caring, giving and correcting and forgiving, and even things like growing and listening, things that display God's power to others and bring the truth of the fruit of the Spirit and the nature of Jesus into their lives, and ours too. Things that remind us that God's kingdom is about people. The people that He created, that He loves, that He died for. And He wants to live forever with Him. That it's not about buildings or organizations or even traditions, it's about people. And God wants us to see people like He does, to love them like He does, to care for them like He does, and to serve them like He does. So that's where we're going to begin this morning with our first practice, the practice of serving and the ways it brings the gospel into the world in real ways, into the lives of people, the ways it changes our view how we see people and connects us with the heart of Jesus as He sought to bring the presence of His Father to us as a servant. Turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be reading a part of this passage that might be very familiar to some of us. It has this beautiful Christological declaration talking about the power and authority and majesty of Jesus, but it begins with a profound challenge and an invitation to those who have come to follow Jesus. Paul here is writing to the fledgling church in Philippi, and they are experiencing trials and persecutions just as he has. 
And he wants to encourage them and give them clear vision of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a part of this new kingdom work that God was doing. How do they respond to a world that was broken and was even hurting them? How are they supposed to live? What are they supposed to do? Our selfish hearts get filled with fear and anger when we are hurt or when we struggle and we want to strike back. We want to defend ourselves. We want to show people that we're strong. But Paul comes to them with the story of Jesus and he talks about his own struggles that he has been imprisoned for the gospel. And he's been in chains. And he has struggled and been oppressed. And so he says to them in light of that struggle and hardship, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from his love. If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, I have, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is a huge passage, and it speaks to a deep truth of the heart of God and the nature of His kingdom and the mission that He has for us. Because look at where Paul starts here. It starts with a response to who Jesus is and what He has done for you. Paul is not asking us to go and sacrifice for others just because Jesus said so. He's not asking us to go and serve others because we're commanded to do it. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love or sharing with the Spirit, then show it. It starts with Jesus and what He has done for you. Jesus doesn't send us out like a tyrant. He went first and asks us to follow. He came to you first as a servant, literally on his knees to wash his disciples' feet. So who are we? 
What are we entitled to? What are we too good for? What is too much to ask? He was God Himself, and He didn't use it to His own advantage. He could have commanded us from His throne. Of course He could. And He would have been right. He is God. But He didn't. He took the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And then He did what? He was found in human likeness and became obedient even to death in the most horrible and humiliating way possible there on the cross. He wasn't too good for anything. He was born as a baby and laid in a feeding trough. He was raised outside of anything resembling wealth or royalty, wandering in the countryside. During his ministry, he had no home, no bed, completely dependent. And then he died the death of a criminal and was abandoned by all his closest followers. What are we too good for? What is too much to ask of us? And to whom did Jesus come? Who did He serve? People that appreciated Him? That were glad that He was there? He came to His enemies, to us, who rejected Him and beat Him and humiliated Him and abused Him and killed Him and abandoned Him. That is who He served with His life, to His death. Who are we too good for? Who is not worthy for us to serve? Who is not deserving of our efforts? This passage is huge because it sets the table for us, the kind of life that He has called us to because we all want to serve people that appreciate it. That we'll be grateful. And that in our estimation, deserve it. People that have earned it somehow. That are responsible or worthy. But Jesus came to serve everyone. Even the people that rejected Him. Even the people that didn't deserve it. Even the people that betrayed Him. He came to even serve you. Even me. If we want to live this mission of sacred presence, it has to start with a servant's heart because it's only with a servant's heart that we can know the heart of Jesus. Because it's His very nature. It's who He is. And that's fine. That all sounds good, but we still don't know what that means. It sounds very deep and profound, but what does serving mean? What do we do? And that connects right back to what we said at the beginning in 2 Corinthians, that 
The kingdom is about people, and as followers of Jesus, we can't regard anyone from a worldly point of view anymore. We need to see people like God does. And that means serving is about relationship. It's about sacrifice, about actually knowing people and giving our lives for them. Not just being willing to die for them in some nebulous way, but actually living for them. Somehow that's harder. What did Jesus tell us about following God, about honoring Him? About the greatest commandment. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart and soul and strength. And then He said, that's not all though. He said, that's, there's more, there's a second part to that. Then to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 22, they didn't ask Him for the top two commandments. They just asked Him what the greatest commandment is, but Jesus couldn't separate the two. How interesting is that? To love God with everything you have, and if you do, you then have to love others as yourself. To love someone is to know them and to treat them like God would treat them. It's relationship and sacrifice. And so serving then is relationship and sacrifice. Because when we do a sermon like this, and we've all heard stuff like this before, we want those practicals. And even in our own minds, we'll kind of immediately go to simple stuff we can do. We'll go pick up some garbage in the park or along the road. We'll shovel our neighbor's driveway. Or maybe we'll cut their grass if they're elderly or they're not well. We love helping people carry heavy things. Or doing something simple because it's easy. And it doesn't cost us much. In time or relationship. We can do it as a, at a distance. We can protect ourselves. We can distance ourselves while still doing something. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things. Those are things that are easy for us. And serving isn't about us. It's about them. And that's where it gets messy. Because truly serving people with the heart of Jesus is about what they need, not about what we want. It's about knowing them and where they are, diving into relationship with people that might not be that easy to do that with. To meet them where they are. Not about what's easy or comfortable or convenient for us. It's about putting their needs first and putting our life second. Like Jesus did for you. To serve them like Jesus has served us, we have to know them and love them. We have to build relationship with them and see their need and ask them and talk to them. It's not about guessing or assuming or presuming what they need. We learn needs in relationship. 
And that takes work and sacrifice and time. And you're busy and I'm busy. And the Good Samaritan didn't have time either. He was busy. But serving people means putting our life second to bring the love of God into their life first. And then it's not even what we think they need, but what God sees their need to be. And so we need to know them and we need to pray for them and pray for their best and pray blessings on them. And as you do, allow God to speak to you what that looks like in their life, how you can be a part of making that real. It's amazing and it's exciting and it can be really hard. Because they might not appreciate it like we think they should. They might not show gratitude like we think we deserve. But we don't appreciate what Jesus has done like we should either. But if we want to know His heart and share His presence then it's not about getting what we deserve or about people responding like we think they should. It's just about giving His love, sharing His presence and serving with His heart. Living the gospel is messy. And living the heart of Jesus is messy. Serving people is messy. It's hard and it can hurt. And no one knows that better than Jesus Himself. But Jesus reminds us just how deeply He wants us to know Him. Because He says that whatever you do, even for the least of these, you did it for me. And if we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, how can we not serve others in that same spirit? Who is Jesus inviting you to serve? Has He already put a name or a face in your mind this morning? Who is He inviting you to know, to build relationship with and bring His love into their life as a servant? Let's pray together this morning that He will open our eyes and give us His heart to serve. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to take that very nature of a servant and be made as a human, to live with us and to show us what that servant heart looks like. God, it's hard. We're busy and we're selfish and we're scared and we know that it can hurt. And we know that it might not be convenient. And so, God, we just pray your grace, your patience. We pray that your spirit would fill us with a hunger to see the nature of Jesus alive in us. That we can bring that to others. That you would help us to lay down our lives. That we would be able to put others first, just like Jesus did we would be able to share and experience His presence. 
as we bring his presence to others in relationship and service. We pray for strength, God. We pray for wisdom. We pray for insight, that we would see real needs. You would help us to see how to respond. We want to share Jesus with others. Help us to serve them in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.